listen up, everyone. I know you're dealing with BEPS action plans and aggressive tax authorities, but I'm about to reveal the answer to it all. The very key to fail-proof transfer pricing compliance. Are you ready? Are you holding your breath? Do I hear a drum roll? Here it goes. The secret to it all. To it all. Give the tax authorities what they want, what they really want really want. Like the Spice Girls song. It's that simple. Localize your documentation and transfer pricing compliance is in the bag. Was my advice worth the wait or what? Hello, everyone. It's Matthew DeMello, your host of The Fiona Show, Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. Today's show is super special because we have two outstanding transfer pricing experts with us. Marielle Sima, a transfer pricing manager at Cross-Border Solutions Argentinian office, and Valeria Marino, a transfer pricing senior manager at our office in New York City. Localized documentation is the biggest challenge in transfer pricing compliance, and that's exactly what we'll be discussing today. You know what we're talking about. Every country asking for unique documents. Australia wants these forms. Canada wants those. Brazil wants something entirely different, not to mention in Portuguese. And then there's the headache that comes with keeping track of all of these individual deadlines. Who can keep up? Before we dive into our discussion, a quick reminder, you can earn CPE credits for listening to this podcast. We're planting three CPE code words in this episode. Email all three to The Fiona Show, all one word, The Fiona Show at xbs.ai, and we'll reply with your certificate. How easy is that? But before we get to the what and the whys of localized transfer pricing documentation, let's Let's take a look at transfer pricing in the news. When the EU laid out its plans for the sixth version of the Directive on Administrative Cooperation, aka DOC6, the plan was to launch on July 1st, 2020. You might say Poland was a little overly enthusiastic given that it jump-started the scrutinous requirement, which mandates that intermediaries engaged in cross-border arrangements with EU countries report on them a whole 18 months early. Fast forward to the COVID-19 pandemic, and the country has put DOC 6 requirements on hold until June 30th, 2020. So at least that's one less thing to keep you up at night. You've got to hand it to the Tax Justice Network. The group always manages to stay on message. In a recent report, the Independent Tax Fairness Organization noted that EU countries concerned about the detrimental economic effects of the coronavirus pandemic should be just as concerned about the effects of profit shifting by corporations. Wait, wait what? According to the network, EU countries annually lose more than $17 billion from U.S. companies that shift profits into the U.K., Switzerland, and Luxembourg, and that's on top of the $10 billion it loses to the Netherlands in corporate taxes. Those missing tax dollars could be used to help with the costs of COVID-19 healthcare needs and public services. Alex Cobham, the organization's CEO, said the pandemic has reinforced the need to, quote, reprogram a better tax system, recommending changes such as a minimum tax rate of 25% throughout the EU, or a system that imposes taxes based on where employers work instead of where profits are ultimately declared, and of course, tax transparency in the form of country-by-country country reporting. EU officials were quick to catch on. One tax official promised a plan to deter the use of tax havens and promote more transparency. How? For that, we'll have to wait for when the report is released in June. 
South Korea has amended its transfer pricing regulations, and it looks as though the new regs in effect from January 1st, 2020 are making things both easier and more difficult for MNEs. First, the country instituted a diverted profits tax for multinational companies who cut South Korea's piece of the pie by more than 50%. Another interesting point is the burden of proof has officially shifted from tax authority to taxpayer, allowing tax authorities to challenge taxpayers on a more aggressive basis. Clearly, they were too mild before. South Korea is also launching simplified transfer pricing rules for intra-group low value add services. And by low value add, they mean those supportive or back office tasks that none of us could live without. If your services meet the requirements, you're off the hook for a new benchmarking study. That's good news. And there's more where that came from. What can we say? It's your lucky day. Before these amendments, South Korea's documentation requirements were a lot of work, also redundant. So you no longer have to submit those extra documents containing detailed info that's already listed in the local and master files in country by country reports. But you had better get those right. The country has also doubled the dollar amount of transfer pricing penalties. A global pandemic, a grim economic forecast, feeling the squeeze, an R&D tax credit can help lower your burn. If you qualify, the IRS and some state governments will give you a tax credit equal to 10% of your company's spend on development activities. You can even take the credit against payroll taxes if you're in the red. All you have to do is claim it. So what's stopping you? If an expensive application process is turning you off, sorry, now you really have no excuse. Cross-Border Solutions AI-driven R&D tax credit software eliminates the need for pricey consultants and allows you to apply for R&D credits all over the world for one low fee. After all, why should you have to spend your whole R&D tax credit on getting your R&D tax credit? It's your money. Keep more of it with Cross Border Solutions, the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. Request a demo today. Visit xbs.ai/rd. That's xbs.ai/rd. And before we begin, Valeria, you're in NYC. I'm an hour north in Peekskill, so I have some idea. But uh, tell our listeners what's happening in terms of COVID-19 where you are right now. So I actually live in Hoboken, which is a small town in front of Manhattan. So it's like 10 minutes from Times Square. 99% of the population of Hoboken works uh, in Manhattan. So situation is quite similar to the one that New York is experiencing. We are all quarantined. We are all at home. Uh, we've been asked to stay home and to practice social distance. Working from home, you know, still it's, it's more than a month now. Um, situation is pretty bad. The number of casing is at very high. Uh, everyone knows. Um, but I think that we will go through it. Um, New York will will go through it. We will. Um, I, I I think we will be able to see the light. Amen. Hope so, hopefully soon. Do you feel as though transfer pricing compliance is getting easier or harder? Yeah, I would say that in general, um, TP compliance is getting harder because multinational uh, companies had to dealing with a lot of different requirements. So. Um, it's definitely getting harder. Maybe something that can make it easier is the fact that now we have technology helping out with uh, traffic pricing. 
Indeed, indeed. And uh, you mentioned COVID just then, and this this goes into a lot of particulars. Soon there could be a book about how much COVID has impacted transfer pricing. But if you'd like to summarize your thoughts. So I would say that most so COVID is impacting everyone's life. So it's impacting uh, economies and impacting the way company are, you know, dealing with the day-to-day. So, and it's impacting transfer pricing too. Um, so I think we will see the impact of um, of these maybe next year. So in the financial, once we will run, I'm curious to running, uh, you know, next year benchmarking to see, you know, how the financial of the company have been like fluctuating during this COVID timeframe. Honestly, I feel that most of our clients uh, now, they are very focused on transfer pricing as, you know, um, it seems that the fact that everyone is, you know, working from home and trying to focus on work and, you know, to get out of the the reality outside. So everyone is trying to focus on something and even work in trust surprising. I feel that there is more attention, maybe less attention from the tax authority as most of the countries are in lockdown. I, w- I would say that they won't be audit to audit or anything else. But um, I feel that there's a lot of attention, especially from our client, because everyone is trying to figure out, you know, a way to get through this. And this is impacting uh, um, all economy. Indeed, indeed. And let's take a quick break for our listeners. Right at the get-go, throw them a curveball and give them their first CPE code word. And that code word is implementation. BEPS Action 13 is what is widely referred to uh, as the officially titled Guidance on the Implementation of Transfer Pricing Documentation and Country-by-Country Reporting. So, Valeria, tell me, what mistakes do you see multinational companies making over and over again with their transfer pricing? So most of the time what we're seeing is that company thinks only on one side of the transaction. You always have two parties, so you have two countries transacting with each other. And they, I think most of the time they are only thinking on one side. So maybe the uh, riskiest part for them or, uh, I don't know, the, the, the country where they have more presence. It really depends. The reasons are different. But the advice we always give is like when they when they look at the transfer pricing, they should look at both sides because it happens and sometimes you are above the range in a country and you say, okay, I'm above the range. I'm earning a lot of money. What, what's the problem? Yeah, the problem is on the other side because, you know, if you have like a transaction, US, UK, and UK is earning a very high operating margin, you have no issue in UK. And I don't think the UK tax authority will come to you saying, hey, you're earning too much. But on the other side, you can have the IRS asking some questions. So it's always good um, to look at both sides of the transaction. BEPS Action 13, uh, when did that come on the scene and what did that do for transfer pricing compliance, maybe for the folks who are, are, are a little less uh, involved in directly in international tax listening to this podcast? Let's start with Marielle. Thank you, Matt. So I guess Action 13 is part of a whole um, bigger project from the OECD. The OECD has been putting together a project which is basically trying to target 
different action points, just trying to avoid tax avoidance. And basically, action 13 is one of those 15 actions that the OECD came up with. And this one, we got the final report in 2015. And it's basically provide some guidance on standards for the purposes of preparing transfer pricing documentation. This is not a specific for local transfer pricing rules, but more of a general guidance for the local tax authorities and local governments to take as a base when preparing their own transfer pricing rules. This is basically uh, the main purpose, I guess, is to try to get quality documentation for the tax authorities to have better access to see what the companies are doing, how their resources are allocated across the world, and generally speaking, to have more transparency in what the different entities and multinational enterprises are doing. What was the goal of country-by-country reporting? Country-by-country report was introduced as part of the BEPS Action 13. And the goal is um, to provide tax authority with all the information that will lead them to assess transfer pricing risk and make some determination as how multinational group allocate their profits. And also for the tax authorities, especially how to allocate resources for tax audit. So it's very important when we look at the country by country because it will give you a general overview, a picture of um, how the company earns and pays taxes and is organized. So country by country uh, includes uh, all the information that the tax authority will need to determine if there is any transfer pricing risk and if they need to proceed with an audit. It's good to highlight that the country-by-country report uh, may highlight some gaps or inconsistency in the company transfer pricing policy and it needs to be read along with the TP documentation prepared by uh, each uh, entity and the master file. Because one thing that it's important to highlight is that the country by country report needs to tell the same story that we are telling into the TP documentation and in the master file. So this three three document needs to, you know, um, tell the same story. And it's very important that you don't have any inconsistency into the uh, country by country because that will lead you to a possible audit. Indeed. And just like that, we have new guidance on transfer pricing documentation. Marielle, did every country adopt this guidance? No, not every. Every country adopted it yet. So since the release or since the OECD issued this further guidance on how to best um, or what their recommendations are in terms of how to prepare documentation in the different jurisdictions or for the group as a whole, um, some of the countries started to slowly get into adapting and revising their transfer pricing rules. The reality is that transfer pricing became a a hot topic in the last few years. So we can see that tax authorities across the world and and the governments for many different reasons have started to look at this in more detail. And this whole BEPS project came into action in this moment in which, um, as I was mentioning before, in which transfer pricing became a, a, a hot topic. So different governments and tax authorities started applying these transfer pricing rules or they started 
amending or revising the, their guidance or, or their regulations. Not all of them yet. I think this is a matter of time first for a few countries to start implementing it and then the more we see the countries implementing it, the more we can see that some other countries start to follow. So it might take a few years for all of the countries to implement. Some of them might not have transfer pricing as a, as a high priority, but it's definitely becoming a, something more and more important. So I think if not all the countries have implemented it yet, um, they might at some point in, in the short run. It's important to see how the new guidelines uh, were implemented into the different countries because, as also Marielle just said, you have some countries that just adopted uh, the OECD and then other countries that they continue, you know, along with their regulation having, you know, parallel reference to the OECD or countries like Mexico, for example, where you have... Uh, TP, their local TP documentation with Mexican rules, and then they also adopted the local file and master file based on BEPS, so that the taxpayer has a different uh, document to be prepared through the year. So you have a TP documentation that is due usually at the beginning of the year, and then a local file, which is different from the Mexican TP documentation, and the master file that are due at the end of the year. So it's, it's also um, important to see how each country implemented the transfer pricing regulation. And let's ask Fiona. Fiona, what are some of the ways countries have localized their transfer pricing requirements? There are many, Matt. Countries require various specific details in their local files. Thresholds, for example, might be different for the master file. Some countries want all transactions documented. Others want only major ones. In which case, does the whole world, veritably speaking, have different transfer pricing regulations? Are they all basically on that spectrum of, you know, the farthest down the line with the OECD and BEPS and just getting started? We see that all the country have their, like, each country has its own documentation uh, regulation, most of them. One example, Italy, like, they have very strict rules. Um, that you need to follow in order to be compliant with the transfer pricing regulation or um, the U.S., which uh, they, even though they are applying the uh, country by country, but they continue having their own rules for transfer pricing. We can see that some of the of the countries, some of the local jurisdictions um, adopted OECD guidelines um, pretty, let's say, straight away we, without major modifications. Um, some of them have not had the chance yet to look at transfer pricing regulations or they have not had the chance to revise the, the rules they had in place before. But generally speaking, even though we can see a general approach of tax authorities following the OECD guidelines, we can definitely also see that each of the countries has its own particularities uh, and that um, we should definitely look at each of the local transfer pricing rules when we think about how to best approach the documentation from a local perspective. And let's underscore that point with another CPE code word. In that case, that code word, the second for the episode, is perspective, as in differentiation from OECD guidelines by a plethora of countries demands that multinationals take a local perspective when compiling their transfer pricing documentation. From a compliance standpoint, what kinds of issues did this cause? Um, I guess it represents 
more burden than it was before for the different taxpayers. Transfer pricing becoming a, a hot topic in the last few years means that the entities or the taxpayers are, are facing higher risks of audits or um, of their transactions being analyzed by the different tax authorities. So what it means is, I guess in the first place, more focusing making sure that they are being compliant, making sure that they are trying to focus on putting the transfer pricing documentation in place. But then the other point to consider, and one of the impacts that it has or, or issues that it caused to the taxpayers is that when before they might have been able to prepare one simple transfer pricing report that would satisfy generally speaking, most of the local jurisdictions. Now we can see that not necessarily because you have prepared that transfer pricing report for, um, an, uh, let's say, an Australian um, transfer pricing point of view, that doesn't really mean that you will be satisfying or that you will be compliant with, let's say, arrangements with, an, with a Mexican entity. So following on the example, if we have transactions, arrangements that happen between an Australian entity and a Mexican entity, having an Australian uh, report or um, having the Mexican documentation, that doesn't mean that you will be compliant from the two jurisdictions. So somehow, I guess the main impact is that it causes more efforts from the taxpayers to make sure that not only that they have transfer pricing documentation in place, but it's also localized enough for their local transfer pricing rules. Have country-specific criteria increased the amount of information that MEs need to provide in that case? Yes, definitely, yes. And uh, it depends by country. So um, even though we have the Action 13, you know, listening uh, what are the, are the information that you need to provide for local file and master file, we see that most of the country have their own requirements, such as like threshold or um, information that you need to provide with, uh, I don't know, the management structure of the group or, or some financial or other information. It's, it's quite an exercise that you need to do while um, doing transfer pricing documentation. And uh, it can be very different, as also Marielle said, um, between um, jurisdictions. So even if you're preparing uh, a documentation from a Canadian perspective and then you're looking at uh, like Canada and France from, like they are all part of the OECD but their requirement may be different. Where do country specific requirements come into play the most? So I would say that we really have to look at the whole um, transfer pricing rules for each specific jurisdiction. This might vary depending on the local rules. Where we see the most that we have more particularities or more specific points tax authorities are requesting are more in relation to the local files, I would say. Generally speaking, the country-by-country country report is following the guidance from the OECD. That's that's what we see the most. Then for the master file, which is the, the second part of the three-tiered uh, approach for transfer pricing documentation from the OECD as per Action 13, the second one, which is a master file, is, um, can be adjusted in some of the jurisdictions. We see that it's not uncommon. We can see that in India they have a specific requirements, um, just as an example. So that's one that we can see, but, but generally speaking, we can see that they request the general overview of the business. Then we have the third part of the whole 
documentation package and we have the local transfer pricing reports and those ones we can see are the main targets from the tax authorities in terms of adjusting it to, to their own rules and their own needs and their own preferences, I would say, in terms of what they are interested in seeing. Hi, I'm Matthew DeMello, and you may know me as the host of the Fiona Show Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. And while I love to discuss transfer pricing, this podcast isn't the only place you can hear me doing it. Cross-Border Solutions recently relaunched Transfer Pricing University, a live webinar series where you can learn about modern-day transfer pricing, everything from methodologies to comparables to preparing documentation to meet country-specific regulations. Good stuff, I know. Chief Economist Mimi Song leads the sessions. I just ask the occasional obvious question. Since our program is NASBA certified, you can earn one CPE credit for joining each session. Pretty sweet. So what are you waiting for? Join us for Transfer Pricing University Weekly. Classes are free, so now you really have no reason to miss it. Sign up at xbs.ai slash tpu. So can you give us an example of where country-specific requirements may vary? The biggest one is the arm's length principle, like uh, what is considering arm's length, uh, like even looking at the range, like at the interquartile range, when we calculated the interquartile range and see that some countries, they look at the full range, other countries, they um, only stick with the interquartile. So it's a bit of a challenge because you need to make sure that you are compliant in the both jurisdiction because even if you fall in the full range in one country but then when you have to do you know the, the bilateral the other report you'll see that you may not uh, you may not satisfy the arm's length principle of that country one of the things is like um, some countries have preferred transfer pricing methodology so they like prefer methods like the cup uh, instead of other methodology or TNMM. Or one other things is like uh, we have country that requires master file, local file. And for master file, they also have specific local master files. So like a country like Netherlands or uh, Italy, they have their own rules for master files. So you, sometimes you may end up preparing different documents for like the same group. The main takeaway is that each local transfer pricing rule is, is specific and we should look at it um, from the local taxpayer perspective. Would you say localization, the fact that countries have so many different and unique demands is the most challenging part of transfer pricing compliance? Definitely. So I think one of the main things is to make sure that you are being compliant across the world. So taxpayers or, or companies, multinational enterprises right now, they will have to look at many different things at the same time. Um, and this is mainly to make sure that they are compliant, make sure that they are preparing the documentation in such a way that it's satisfying the local transfer pricing rules and also that they are preparing them by the time that it's requested by the different tax authorities. So I think um, taxpayers uh, or multinational enterprise enterprises right now, they have this challenge of making sure that they have to cover all of different entities in which they are operating 
and for which they have transfer pricing arrangements. And also, I guess one of the big challenges in this scenario is that you having operations in, in several countries, um, not only about the amount of work that, that you need to do, but also to make sure that you are being consistent enough across all the different pieces of documentation that you are putting together. That's why, I guess, if um, taxpayers were able to somehow centralize their, their transfer pricing projects in such a way that they can have a whole picture of their transfer pricing engagements, that, that would be, I guess, that would be the best. And I guess it's when, um, in these days, um, technology somehow comes to play um, and where it's really helping or it can really help the different taxpayers to make sure that these two really important points of being compliant and being able to centralize everything might help them. And let's ask Fiona here. Fiona, how do local requirements affect comparables? Quite a bit. Many countries require local comparables, so comparables for one tax authority won't work for others because of location. Searching therefore, becomes exhausting, time-consuming, and expensive. I mean, except for me. Let's look at a few countries and see how things might really differ. Let's take Luxembourg in Australia, for example. Tell us a little bit about the differences there. Right. So as we were mentioning before, um, even though most of the countries would follow OECD, which is a kind of a standard or general guidance in terms of how to address your transfer pricing issues, each of the local governments and tax authorities, they are implementing transfer pricing rules in, in their own ways and with their own preferences. Examples of this are the approach taken by, by Australia, for instance and also by Luxembourg, and, and like this, we have several other countries. Uh, I'm sure if we look at the U.S. documentation, we will see the differences, and if we look at Argentinian documentation, we will see the difference, Italy, and so on. So yes, Australia, Luxembourg, in particular, these are two examples. Basically, the transfer pricing documentation requirements are different. In Australia, we've seen in the last few years that the ATO, which is um, the Australian Tax Authority, has been pretty aggressive with the taxpayers. Um, they've been pushing hard in terms of having updated and revised transfer pricing rules, which are somehow more aligned with the current environment that it's facing. we are facing globally. In this case, they have been updated. These transfer pricing rules have been updated, but also with a more um, aggressive approach, making sure that they are covering that as much as possible, and also with an approach in which they request taxpayers to provide tons of information, like literally they have local file, master file, country by country reporting in place. They also have something that really confuses taxpayers, which is to have two different types of local files, one being more of a transfer pricing form that collects a lot of information, such as quantitative information on dealings, transactions, also information such as intercompany agreements. And then in addition to that, you would have a specific local file, which is a transfer pricing report in the, in the way we are used to see them, which again, it's also pretty particular. It also has to follow a specific requirements. And then on the other hand, we have Luxembourg, where there is no requirement for local file and master file. So we can definitely see that the, the approaches and the requirements in each of the local jurisdictions is completely different. 
Canada has an interesting requirement in its economic analysis. Uh, the CRA doesn't want analyses to use the interquartile range or multiple year averages to determine arm's length prices. How does that compare to other countries? Yeah, this is was something that we were um, saying before. So it's compared to other countries because you see that Canada, they use the full range and they use the single year. Sometimes it's kind of, you, you find entity transacting with Canada and that they follow different rules like Australia uh, that um, follow the OECD transfer pricing guidance, but they look at multiple year analysis, um, especially sometimes they look at the average of five years, So, which is, which is completely different on um, or a country like Brazil, where you don't even look at the range. So Brazil, it has its own um, rule about transfer pricing. So it's quite different. Indeed. And speaking of localization, Brazil is actually a great example. Uh, let's talk about some of the country's unique requirements. For Brazil, the first things that we just said and that we were saying is that um, they don't follow what is the arm's length principle, which is uh, the common principle followed by, I think, all the jurisdiction um, OECD or also the US, they have their own rule and the Brazilian transfer pricing rule defined, which is the maximum price ceilings for deductible expenses on the intercompany import transaction and also the minimum gross income income for intercompany export. So these rules, they address um, like everything that's related to import and export of products, services, and uh, rights uh, charged between related parties, which is um, actually completely different from what we are used to see in all the other countries. So they don't have, they don't perform any benchmark. They don't, you don't need to do a, like a TNMM analysis looking for comparables. The Brazilian population will tell you right away how much you used to earn in that transaction. So it's, a, it's quite different. And when we're dealing with Brazil, um, we perform two different analyses because from, a, I don't know, when we're dealing U.S.-Brazil, when we're doing the U.S. documentation and we are looking at analyzing the transaction, we always, you know, look at the U.S. rules and maybe we will perform like a distribution transaction. We will perform a benchmark looking for distributors. Then when you're on the other side, when you're doing, when you're dealing with it, the Brazilian documentation, you cannot rely on a benchmark, on a TNMM analysis, but you know, on a, you need to perform a different kind of analysis that which is already defined by the transfer pricing rules in Brazil. Yes, yes, and uh, so yeah, very different. I know from our Brazil episode uh, that we did not too long ago with Thomas Balco, uh, Brazil is working with the OECD now to align more with OECD guidelines, but that's, of course, very much in the mid stages uh, of that process. And also, I mean, there's there's so many advantages to Brazil kind of keeping things the way they are as they as they are for every country that differentiates. It makes, you know, their regulations kind of act like a tripwire for multinationals. So what types of organizational nightmares does this uh, sort of situation impose for multinationals? So first of all, million of reports because um, multinational needs to dealing with uh, hundred, it depends how many entities you have in how many countries you are located, but um, sometimes they're dealing with hundred reports and uh, different, you know, um, 
rules and uh, deadlines and it's not easy, you know, to centralize those reports and always in the past we saw a lot of companies, a lot of groups that they used to prepare this regional report, which is now it's no longer the case because each registration require their own transfer pricing documentation. So I think the most difficult part is, you know, keeping track of all this regulation and keeping track of all these uh, different reports and deadlines. I think that this is one, one of the keys when technology comes in handy as it helps keeping track and, you know, centralizing all these uh, requirements and information that you need to elaborate in order to do the transfer pricing documentation for each country. Since BEPS, we have seen tax authorities being very, very prepared on transfer pricing and the country increasing, putting together transfer pricing rules. And uh, now we see also tax authorities are hiring very uh, knowledgeable people on transfer pricing. So um, becoming very sophisticated, even in a kind of audit that they are, you know, starting. Um, and it's um, like, this is why, because uh, we have a lot of countries that are looking to capitalize on transfer pricing and uh, tax authorities are performing transfer pricing risk assessment also using, for example, the country-by-country country report. So I think that they are trying to have such individual requirements also, you know, in order to be able to um, have a good position while auditing the company. I mean, it's a bit of a challenge for the taxpayer, but we, we already say that uh, this is something that technology that can help because you, you, need, you need to be compliant in different jurisdictions. And as we, we said before, the fact that you are compliant in the U.S. doesn't mean that you are compliant somewhere else. But it's very important as now the audit that we are seeing are different from the one that we saw like 10 years ago. The tax authorities are uh, very focused on transfer pricing. They know what they're looking for. They already, when they ask a question, they already know the answer, so it's very important to prepare and localize uh, the TP documentation. And the TP documentation needs to be in line with a country-specific requirement. Note to multinational companies everywhere, if you think the coronavirus has affected your bottom line, take a look at how it's devastated the economies of governments around the world. And where do you think tax authorities will look to make up for all that lost revenue? That's right, your transfer pricing. You can't afford to be non-compliant, but then you probably can't afford to pay for an overpriced consultant who bills by the hour either. Oops, sorry, Big Four. We've got the answer. Cross-Border Solutions AI-powered transfer pricing software keeps you in compliance by preparing accurate, hyper-localized reports that protect you from transfer pricing audits, penalties, and adjustments. And our technology is available for one flat fee, a fraction of what you'd pay a big-name consultant. Again, apologies, Big Four. Stay in compliance and on budget with Cross-Border Solutions AI-driven transfer pricing software. It's no wonder we're the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. There we go again. I'm so sorry, Big. You know what? Wait, who am I kidding? Sign up for a free demo of Cross-Border Solutions transfer pricing technology today at xbs.ai slash tp that's xbs.ai slash tp and before we wrap up let's give everyone their very last and third 
CPE code word for this episode, and that code word is disorganized, as in there you have it, super complicated, disorganized, transfer pricing compliance. Every jurisdiction has its own regulations, and you, Mr. and Mrs. Taxpayer, have to keep track of all of it. Thank you, Mariel and Valeria, for your time today. Clearly, the takeaway here is give tax authorities what they really, really want. Hmm, isn't that what I said right from the beginning? Well, good news. We do have time for my favorite part of this podcast, what we want to know. Here's how it works. We're putting first-time Fiona Show guest Valeria Marino in the hot seat for a rapid-fire round of questions. Valeria, are you ready? Yes. Excellent. That was question one. Question two, how do you handle your shit hit the fan moments? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just keep going. Um, Soldier on. Yeah. And I, I'm, I can say I'm looking at the bright side of everything. I'm a very positive person. So um, even in this, you know, in this moment, we are all in quarantine. Everything is going um, around. Um, I am looking at the bright side. So the fact that I can enjoy uh, working while I'm with my family. I had the chance to be home where my twins um, did the, their first steps. So I am, I'm looking at the bright side of this moment and I think that everyone should do that. Now that leads us to our next question. Is there any uh, unexpected or surprise, or I should say maybe a silver lining to this quarantine experience for you? Um, I would say that I experienced that I feel more close to all the people that I'm working with and to the client, even though we are not seeing each other, it seems that, you know, we are more close than before. So yeah. this is very nice. I'll say in my experience, everybody's kind of letting their down, their guard down a little bit more and not just answering, you know, the question of how are you doing with just fine? They'll, they'll really tell you. And it's, uh, it's definitely a very much more complex answer than fine. Um, and everybody wants to get that off their chest. And that's that's uh, that's a more intimate world. I appreciate that as well. Um, I love the fact that, you know, when they ask you that question, they really want to know how you, you're doing. And, uh, you know, they're listening to you. And if you had a problem, they will remember. And uh, it's nice when we have this weekly, you know, or bi-weekly call with clients, then you, you, you catch up on what you did last week, how is going your week and, you know, your quarantine and, you know, we are all in the, sa in the same situation and, and it's nice how we can, you know, get together and try uh, to go over this. Right, right. With, with the irony of being, you know, physically that we're all so very distant. There's some, there's some poetic irony to that. Um, but turning back to transfer pricing for a second though, what advice do you feel you have to give clients again and again? The advice I always give to client is to do localized documentation because it's very important that you are compliant. doesn't matter if you have a regional report or general OECD report that you want to use, but you need to make sure that you, know, you are compliant in the country where you're preparing the documentation. And it's a very important topic. It's hard to understand, especially when for multinational company when they are quartered somewhere else, like, a, I don't know, the US has a completely different rule from Europe, from the European country. So like you're using a different method, especially like for services. So it's very important that when you set up a transfer pricing 
policy. You try to be compliant, but at the same time also consistent throughout the countries, the unique and this is one of my favorite questions, and there's no wrong answer, I promise. Uh, so don't, no pressure, but a coworker calls you super smart and another calls you super hardworking. Which one means more to you and why? I don't know, maybe super smart, uh, <laughs> because um, I think, uh, I mean, everyone can be a hard worker, uh, but um, it's very important that you're able to dealing with different situation and, you know, really use your brain and all your knowledge to help out client and to dealing with all situations. So I think I would prefer super smart than super hard worker. Excellent. And folks define success in all kinds of ways. What's your favorite definition? Mm, I don't know. When I think that um, you are successful when you are satisfied about something uh, that you have done. Um, and you realize that you have potential. So for me, success is be able to get things done. Amen. I, I like the Bob Dylan quote personally. As somebody, I think Playboy asked him this like in the 60s or whatever. Um, but he said, anybody who gets up at the beginning of the day and goes to bed doing exactly what they wanted to do is a success. And in that regard, I am one of the biggest failures. And I have always loved that quote. Uh, but that, that's the, I, 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 that's a that's a good answer to me. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. That's a wrap, but it's not our last transfer pricing discussion. Don't let it be yours either. Subscribe to The Fiona Show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we'll keep you in the loop on transfer pricing issues every week. While you're at it, subscribe to our sister podcast, The Fiona Show, hot off the press, and we'll brief you on transfer pricing headlines every week. I'm Matthew DeMello, and I host, edit, and engineer this podcast. Executive producer Marilyn Mitchum-Strom writes our scripts. Now add this to your compliance tasks. Stay healthy, stay safe, and join us again next week for another episode of The Fiona Show. Mm-hmm.